Do we see at Groundswell this year, the 26th and 27th of June, close to London, UK? Many friends of the podcast will be there. John Kempf, Abby Rose, Benedict Berzo, Henry Dimbleby, Claire Hill, Russ Carrington, Andy Cato, Tim Coates, and many, many more. See you there. What does it tell us if one of the leaders in the regenerative space, not only in terms of operations, scale, highly diversification, mostly vertically integrated, and probably one of the biggest pasture-raised and slaughtered companies in the US? What does it tell us when one of the leaders in the space who has been here for more than 25 years is barely making any money? What does it teach us? Not that he's complaining, they're doing fine. 180 FTEs, he's able to pay the bills, but they're just making it with large operational loans every season. What does it tell us about the sector now? What does it tell us about new people wanting to get into the space? And what does it tell us about the incredible unfairness built into the highly chemical fossil fuel extractive agriculture system? Big questions in this interview of today. I hope you enjoy it and hope it gives you some food for thought and energizes you even further to get to work on the transitions we need. This is the Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast, Investing as if the Planet Mattered, where we talk to the pioneers in the regenerative food and agriculture space to learn more on how to put our money to work to regenerate soil, people, local communities, and ecosystems while making an appropriate and fair return. Why my focus on soil and regeneration? Because so many of the pressing issues we face today have their roots in how we treat our land and our sea, grow our food, what we eat, wear and consume. And it's time that we as investors, big and small, and consumers start paying much more attention to the dirt slash soil underneath our feet. To make it easy for fans to support our work, we launched our membership community. And so many of you have joined us as a member. Thank you. If our work created value for you, and if you have the means, and only if you have the means, consider joining us. Find out more on gumroad.com slash investing in regenag. That is gumroad.com slash investing in regenag. Or find the link below. Welcome to another episode today with Will Harris. Welcome, Will. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. And for anybody, of course, we'll link things below, but for anybody that um, Will Harris and White Oak Pastures rings a bell but doesn't really know where the bell is hanging, um, what is your normal go-to intro? Like if you're, I don't know how often that happens, but if somebody approaches you somewhere in a, uh, maybe you're traveling to the capital, which you do sometimes, and somebody asks, like, what do you do? Who, who are you? What, do you? what brings you here? What is your normal go-to answer? I am Will Harris. My farm is White Oak Pastures in Bluffton, Georgia. Uh, we pasture raise cows, hogs, sheep, goats, rabbits, as well as five species of poultry, uh, an organic vegetable garden, uh, a number of other small little ancillary businesses, uh, bees, eggs, such as that. Uh, I'm the fourth generation of my family to run the farm. I'm aided by my two daughters and their spouses, who are the fifth generation, and they have five children who are the sixth generation. They're still babies, but they're here. So, wow. So it's a, a, family, a family enterprise. Uh, absolutely. This is not a small, um, and for, even for for U.S. standards, it's not it's not small at all. So just to give us a sense of 
size and also as this is an audio medium, obviously, try to bring us visually to what do you see if you would open the, the windows behind you? Uh, what, what does the landscape look like in, uh, in, around on top of White Oak Pastures? <clears throat> we are coastal plains. Uh, we get about 52 inches of rain a year, so it's a uh, very, very good vegetative growing uh, place. Uh, I should say, we, I just talked about the family. We've got 180 employees who are like family. Uh, it's uh, throughout the uh, four generations, including myself, it was a family run business. It's still a family-owned business, but we've got some very senior managers here who are very important to running the business. Uh, the the whole farm, 3,200 acres of uh, owned and leased land here, plus an additional uh, 1,500 or so acres of solar arrays that are near here that we do not own uh, is uh, in grass, uh, probably a five-acre garden where we raise vegetables. It's not in grass. But uh, the, the maintenance of our ecosystem through our grasslands is very important to us. And, and literally with the, the solar arrays, and, and of course, especially with the grass, you're turning sunlight into something um, we can eat or use. Um, the 180 employees definitely is impressive. That hasn't always been the case. I think when you took over, just to give us a, an, an understanding of transition, um, how many were there at the time? And, and so just to give us an idea of, um, of change. I graduated from the University of Georgia in 1976. And at that time, my father was running the farm. He had three or four, maybe five, probably four, or normally employees, full-time employees. Uh, I ran the farm in a similar manner for about 20 years. In the mid-90s, I started changing the farm uh, from just a producer of calves for the industrial uh, American market to something more vertically integrated. And at that time, started adding employees. We're up to about 180 now. I hope, I hope that's the most we ever have. The goal is not to see how big we can get. Uh, but it, that, that's where we are today. Why do you we're say that's, that's, I hope that's the max? <laughs> I hope that's the max. We're the largest employer in this county. Uh, and then uh, it's a, a, an economically impoverished county. So we, we think we make a, a, a very good contribution. But the goal here is not to see how much we can contribute to the county's economy. The, the, the goal here is to have a uh, well rounded, uh, vertically integrated uh, food production system. And how far are you off from that goal? Like you say, well-rounded, um, 180 feels like a, a good number. And I hope it doesn't get much more than that because I can imagine, I mean, it's, it's amazing to have to, to provide jobs for so many people, but at the same time, uh, there are also many people headaches uh, coming with that. Um, do you feel like you're you're getting there or maybe already arrived in terms of a well-rounded operation? Well, I think we're there uh, in, in all aspects other than profitability. Uh, we have been, we, uh, when I started making the change, I had no debt and, and the business was consistently profitable. It wasn't a big business, you know, million, two million dollars a year. 
but it was consistently profitable. Uh, we, we took all those risks uh, and made a lot of investments and uh, uh, had some profitable years. <clears throat> but in, in recent years, we've been far less profitable. And so we're, why is that? We're working, we're working to improve to, to improve that situation. And, and why have you been less profitable over the last years, even though there's, there seems to have been a boom in, in, in direct sales, et cetera, to have been on the, the investment side or what, um, what explains that? No, I don't, I don't think there's been a, a big boom in, in direct sales. I, I don't believe that. Uh, there's been a, <clears throat> when I uh, entered the market, you know, I sold uh, grass-fed beef to Whole Foods Market Publix and some others. I was the first, I sold uh, Whole Foods Market, the first grass-fed beef to be bought and marketed as American grass-fed beef. And it was good business for us for a long time. Uh, As they found other cheaper sources of imported grass-fed beef, we were either displaced or, or had to lower our prices to the point that it was not profitable for me anymore. And we ceased to do business with Whole Foods uh, December 31st of this past year. So we went from uh, a year or so, more than that, really, of doing not profitable business with them to not doing business with them. It can cause tremendous adjustment to yeah, our, our To replace our, that. Yeah. And, and so now working to improve profitability, where are the areas to improve or what are the areas you're you're taking on this year and in, in the short term well fortunately uh, during the pandemic we discovered direct to consumer marketing uh, we had uh, added a uh, uh, online ship via fedex or ups direct to consumer function of our business we never had done much with it. I mean, we sell about 20 something million dollars worth of product a year, probably 24, I think, maybe 22 in that range. And uh, uh, we were up to maybe, I don't know, a million and a half dollars direct to consumer, and it wasn't moving. Uh, during the pandemic, it just went absolutely bonkers, and we couldn't keep up with it. And that opened our eyes to the fact that there's another way of, of uh, moving our product other than through wholesalers. And that's one of the good. And we, we, we believe that we can probably sell enough product uh, direct to consumer through online to take care of the bulk of our financial needs. We do value the business we get from company, uh, customers like. Uh, Publix, supermarkets, uh, and, and, and others. Uh, to to what triggered you to to set up that direct to consumer um, line in the first place? If if it was going okay through other channels, and and also when you set it up, it wasn't really moving. Luckily, you did. At least you had the the, the minimum expertise to take like to um, ride the wave of of the COVID. Um, a shutdowns, etc. But what made you set it up in the first place? If it wasn't, it didn't seem super interesting. It was a project that my middle daughter, I have three daughters, two of which work here. When my middle daughter came back, she needed something to to do 
So she sat that up, and uh, it was, uh, you know, again, just not not real uh, efficacious in terms of, of the impact on the company. Just didn't do much. But she did set it up. And, so then, when, and then it came. When, uh, huh? And then, and then it arrived, yeah. And then, and then when, when the COVID pandemic panic hit, you know, it was it was there for us. And we went from I don't know a million, two million dollars to six or so million, and now we hope this year we'll do twelve or fifteen million, which is about half what we need to do. <clears throat> But it's it's it's, it's good. It's uh, it really. Helps uh, move away from the be so focused on wholesale. And what is needed, or what, what do you see to to double that? Is it um, a lot more online marketing? Is it on the distribution side? Like, do you need to do a lot on the farm to to be able to cater and and to deliver to direct to consumer, or is it also relatively simple to compare to the wholesale ones? You know, I don't know how that's. I don't know how that's going to look. Uh, we we know we need more of a direct to consumer volume, and I think this will give us that. We probably need to be involved with other wholesalers to move excess quantities of various products seasonally. <clears throat> so I just I don't really know how that <clears throat> what, uh, how that will look as it evolves. And. The debt you took on, because you said we weren't in debt when we started this this transition, and we've made many investments. What was the main? I think I've read a number of places. Of course, the, the processing you brought on farm, like all these things, are extremely expensive. Is there any of those investments? I'm getting to a question that you regret. Like you think, oh, it would would have been nice to actually not have made that investment, or were they all necessary to bring you where you are now? Oh yeah, <clears throat> make no mistake. We made some. We made some investments that did not work. You know, we uh, our poultry business is not profitable for us. We continue to stay in, or have continued to stay in, although we have folk, uh, downsized it. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to probably take some of our poultry slaughter and convert it over into more red meat slaughter. Which is interesting because sort of the move, it seems from the outside, I'm not in the US, but there's there's been a, a, a big push from the health, from the claimed health benefits to away from red meat into white meat. And you're saying we're actually, I mean, for our farm, it makes more sense to focus on, on the red meat. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that uh, the push against red meat is not caught traction the way that the people who We were making that push wanted to, and you know, red meat in by most, I'm gonna say most sophisticated consumers is no longer considered to be a negative for the environment and a negative on health. I think meat, red meat raised properly, is good for the environment and good for people's health. And fortunately, a lot of other people believe that as well. Have you? benefited from we had mariko torbeck of, of quantis or then she wasn't at quantis anymore but one of the writers of that lca the life cycle assessment and uh, that that puts you i'm not saying on on the map but definitely helped has that helped at all there's there's nice infographics showing that um uh, meat raised properly could be a carbon uh, store and we discussed 
extensively in that interview why LCAs don't make too much sense in this case because they didn't take so, soil uh, carbon into consideration, but it has that um, push of Qantas and I think General Mills was part of that as well. Have, has that helped or was there any way a big understream, let's say, of people that, that found you because they, they have done their research and know better? Well, I think that the uh, the LCA from Qantas was beneficial for us in that it showed what it showed with regard to carbon. Uh, you know, I don't uh, I don't know that it's responsible for the uh, I, I, I don't know quantitatively how much of our acceptance it's responsible for, but some to be sure. And. Have you seen lately, I don't know, maybe it's just in our bubble, but let's sort of the, the, the craze and the whole wave of meat alternatives and the investments in that space and, and very loud voices against animal protein, they sort of seem to be losing steam. Do, do you see that as well? I mean, you're definitely outside um, uh, many bubbles as, as you are farming, but do you see that as well in the conversations you're in that it seems to be losing a bit of steam, this whole anti-animal protein um, I would say almost a war or animal protein push, definitely. Well, I mean, I see what comes comes across my computer screen. You know, I read the news, and it does seem that it's losing steam. Pro- probably should. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I am not uh, an anti anti meat person. I mean, I, I, I respect people's right to choose. Uh, what they want to eat, you know, how it's produced. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I resent it when, when lies are told about how f- food is produced. You know, the, uh, I don't know what it takes to produce alternative meats. I have no idea. I do know what it takes to produce industrial commodity meat and my meat. And it's very different. And the, I do resent it when the, anti-meat people dump me into the pot with the industrial... Uh, That's probably industrial. the most annoying piece, yeah. Like you're yeah. thrown into the same bucket as everybody else, yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's intentional. I mean, they, that, they, 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 you know, my numbers speak for themselves. You know, we, we do a really good job environmentally. Anyone, anybody who visits my farm recognizes that. I mean, you... You don't need a scientific study. You can look and say, this this really looks good. And I can go anywhere I want to, and, and, and it looks fine. It's good. It's, it's, uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I think that it's, uh, it's, it's good that people visit and look and see for themselves. And, and the Qantas work is good for the people who can't do that. They can look and see that there is a difference. And I think you've invited a few of the, the loudest voices in the anti-meat campaign um, to visit. Have they ever, what do you say, taken take, taking the glove? I don't know if that's a translation, but let's say the invitation and, and come as well or not? No, the people who are anti-meat don't want to come here. I mean, they, they simply don't want to come here, understandably. For the same reason that I invite them here, they don't want to come here. It would not be good for their argument. You know, they... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's not surprising. You know, they they want they want to take you to a place that is horrible animal welfare, horrible environmental uh, impact, and I and I, I get it, but, but uh, they, they don't want to come here. We 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 I literally have uh, built 
lodging here on the farm to accommodate people to come here. And we've hired people, part of the 180 people that we've got hired here, their job is to educate and show and demonstrate what we do here because we are proud of it. And we do think that uh, having visitors here, understanding what we do, understanding our production model is beneficial for us. And then how many people come through the farm, let's say, on a given year and, and tours, et cetera? Is that in the thousands, in the hundreds? More or less, do you have any, any idea? You know, I'm, I, we should keep up with that better. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's thousands. You know, it's not tens of thousands. You know, we're on a, you know we, had a, we had a holiday weekend here this weekend. And we had, you know, we probably fed more people than we should have fed. We were having to wait too long to get their food. Uh, we are very, very remote, isolated. This county has shrunk in population every census since 1900. It's it's a uh, declining, uh, but 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 we're on a major highway, so people come through and they've learned they can stop here, and they do, and and it's good for our business. And. Imagine we bring a group of, of investors, both investing their own money, but also pension fund money and um, institutional capital, like insurance companies and banks, et cetera. And, and they're on the farm tour. And of course, we're not giving them investment advice, but what would be your main message as they're leaving the farm to them, people that are in charge of unimaginable resources on the money side, not the other resources, not sunlight, water, biodiversity, et cetera. But what would be your main message to a large group of financial people interested in this space? Like absolutely getting the, the importance of soil and all of that, but then how do they apply it in their work? And what would be your main, your main takeaway for them? You know, I would, I would like for them to see and understand the ecological benefit of this product, food production model. And and I'm not really looking for, even though we're you know, we're struggling a little bit financially. I'm not looking for investments. You know, I'm not. You know, we're not out uh, calling for uh, that kind of funding. We own 100 percent of this business. We operate on borrowed money, but I don't have any trouble borrowing money. I have trouble paying it back. But uh, 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 we. Uh, I just, I just like them to see that this production model is as near as, as uh, to the Garden of Eden as you're going to find. Uh, and and then when they ask, of why do you have trouble paying back the loans? As an investor, you might get just a bit nervous with that. What is your answer to that? And, and how do you respond they, to that? Of course, they should be nervous with that. And and you know, the answer I have is that. We, we pay our bills. We don't leave, uh, uh, what, what's the term here? Uh, externalities. Rubbish. Thank you for the word. The, the externalities. You know, we, uh, <clears throat> we, uh, we, when the, the rainfall, 52 inches of rain, we get here, we, we absorb it for the most part. It doesn't go rushing down full of chemicals and, and topsoil to the Gulf of Mexico, to the Atlantic Ocean. So and on and on and on. You know, the, uh, we don't use uh, uh, pesticides you know, that, that stay in the environment. 
uh, just many, many things that we do that I think is beneficial to the environment, many things that we don't do that I think is harmful to the environment that are done commonly in commodity industrial food production. And it, it uh, lowers our return to investors. It's just as simple as that. If you're going to try to exploit the the system, you you, you leave uh, unpaid bills. And at some point, it will come back and bite you. At some point, I think we're here. What makes you say that? Our friends at Planetary Evergreen Impact Ventures are looking for a fund director and a senior investment manager. And you get to work with friend of the show, Thomas Hogenhaven. Listen to our conversation with Thomas below and find out more on the positions at planetary.dk. That's planetary delta kilo. Uh, you know, pick up the paper. <laughs> yeah, 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 we, you know, we're... You know, you know, global global warming, uh, you know, pesticides everywhere. You know, there's just just a number of different places. I think where these uh, abusive behaviors that we've adapted for food production has come home to haunt us. And is it different? Do you feel like we're getting, or we're at that tipping point where the attention is changing? Maybe even. Um, some movements in in uh, in politics are changing. Do, do you feel that, or are we still not there yet? I think we're not there yet. Because you've think, been you've been in Washington recently, and with the Regenerate America campaign, we had Finian on um, not so long ago. I will, I will definitely link that below. What what is your feeling with the the political side in on these massive issues? Climate change, pesticide, health, health of our all of us and our children. Is there the sense of urgency you feel? No, 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 no. I think I think there's still a, a lot of money in politics, a lot of uh, big food, big ag, big tech influence that, that talks louder than uh, we consumers talk. So I don't think we're nearly there yet. And what needs to happen? Well, what needs to happen is that. Uh, uh, the consumer voice needs to be louder, but I don't, I don't think it will be for, for during my lifetime. Are you pessimistic or optimistic? Uh, I think I'm realistic. Uh, I think that uh, things will get worse and worse until they get bad enough that we make adjustments. And when we make adjustments, they'll be losers. They'll be uh, downsides. And I don't, I don't think there's any getting away from that. You don't, don't worry about the earth. The earth will be fine. The earth will be fine. It'll be, you know, it'll, it'll change and, and evolve and correct itself. The human race may not be so fine. You know, I, don't, I don't think we'll be extinct, but there'll be a lot of suffering. And do you see a role for that finance industry, as we can call it, which has been mostly extractive and, and but apart, I mean, you are interacting with that through a bank or banks uh, where you're, you're loaning money. Do you see a role for money to speed up your transition? You say, I don't necessarily want to be bigger, um, but of course you're doing um, the, the solar piece as well. Like, do you see a role for that? Or you say, okay, let's, we, we've reached a, a good size. We need to pay down our debts, get more profitable and then it's okay. 
and then repeat maybe somewhere else. I have other people repeat it elsewhere. Well, I think that the model that we have, have uh, implemented here is can, can be replicated over and over and over uh, similarly, not exactly, but similarly. There doesn't be a, another white oak pastures in every county in the United States of America. It needs to be, uh, it needs to fit the environment, but uh, there, there should be money available for that. You know, there, there are a lot of people that want to eat cheap food. A lot of people that need to eat cheap food. And I'm not uh, critical of, of, of people in that in that need. So you know, I want to feed them. Uh, I want to feed uh, as many as can in a regenerative manner. And in, in, in time, see where it goes. But for, you know, right now, we're still in this really incredibly large, incredibly damaging food production system. And we are very, a very, very tiny little microbes. And you see, yeah, huge in the regenerative space if you see 180 FTEs and, and of course, the size. But yet, yeah, it's, it's easy to forget the the size we're in or the size of the, let's say, the, the ocean we're, we're swimming in. Do you see that happening, that people come to you to white oak pastures and, and get trained or work a number of years and then go somewhere else to start their their version in their context? Is it something that you've been a, a launch pad or like a starting place for a breeding ground for, for regenerative talent? Hmm. So that's, that's a very good question. A little bit hard to answer. Uh, so we, we, we do have a, an internship program that has been, I think, wildly successful. Uh, we only accept six per quarter, four times a year, so 24 a year, which I think is a lot. But For an operation to, to, like, on our 180 people, that's a, a big chunk of interns that take a lot of time, yeah. But we don't, uh, and then most of them come here or... Most of them are fairly young, not all, but most are fairly young and, and really excited about. Uh, I mean, most of them have got a skill set. Uh, you know, we don't take a lot of kids. You know, they're not they're not 18, 19 years old. Most of them are 25, 35, 45 years old, and uh, excited about doing things differently. They come here to learn. I think they do learn. Uh, and then they, very few of them seem to find the financing they need to go on with this. We wind up hiring a lot of them. A lot of my employees are former interns. Uh, one or two have gone on and farmed elsewhere and done well. A lot of them have gone on to intern another place and another place and another place. And I hope they will find the opportunity to get traction and do well. But it's not... Uh, it's not the way they envision it, and they they would want it to be. They don't they don't come here, learn how to do it, and then go find a place. Bam! It's not like that. And you see, financing is the big bottleneck there. Oh yeah, the financing is the bottleneck. Yeah. And would you, let's say, I, I love to ask this question, uh, and at some point, but this seems like the right moment. Let's say you had. A significant amount of money, a billion dollars, I usually say, with disinflation rates, I might have to say 10, but let's say a lot of money. Would you envision you investing in them after they've been interning? Of course, picking the ones you're very happy with, but almost as an investor to, to give them that launch pad. Also as an investment, 
Is that something you played with, thought about, dreamed of? Well, what I love to see that done now says yes. If I was charged with maximizing the return on that investment, the answer would be nay. No, I would say, sorry, to, to give a bit of background, uh, it definitely had to be an investment, but it could be extremely long-term and for returns that are fair, context-specific, et cetera. So we're definitely not looking for the 20X, um, but I, I was more wondering, like, are these, according to you, who is definitely on the ground and has an eye for this, are these investable, uh, in some cases, investable individuals that are just missed by the system? I think that the the question becomes uh, what what does that return need to look like? You know, the the uh, if, if it's normal percentage return on investment, we can't compete. We cannot compete. You know, white oak pastures here. There, you, know, you could argue about these numbers, but I think we've got about thirty million dollars in assets. And about 20 million of his equity. And we'll break even business. And I think I think we're pretty damn good at what we do. But despite having 20 million dollars in equity, it's very break evenish. And we struggle to borrow enough money to operate on. You shouldn't that, that should not be the case, but it is because the return is what it is. I mean, I, I, there's no arguing with these professional money people, they know what they can get elsewhere. So, so uh, I uh, I think that probably the uh, the value is the land that that that's the value the, to to acquire the land and to improve the land and probably there needs to be some uh, established relationship regarding the person who furnishes the money. Who wind up owning the land because that's the asset. That's 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 that. And the person who's doing the work and managing the land winds up living a comfortable life. And then, so that it's got it's got to be something like that. And there aren't many investors long term enough to really set that up and make it work. Mm-hmm. In my experience. And. What if you would be one of those? So let's let's rephrase the question again. You had a billion dollars, but in this case, w- would you focus on land investments or because you said if you would maximize um, return, but also if you would maximize impact, like it, looking at the food and agriculture space at large, would you focus on land or would you focus on, on the branding side or maybe the distribution side? Like what are um, super relevant places for you, that you would put money to work um, in this regenerative transition, well, or maybe technology, it's, it's, or maybe consumer uh, awareness. I'm not sure that we could call that an investment, but what, what would you focus on? Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's certainly there's got to, all the infrastructure's got to be built up. I mean, to to produce it is, is is what I'm focused on right now. That's what I do. Delivering it to uh, an, uh, people who are willing to pay for it. You know, they're able to pay for it and willing to pay for it is, is yet another, uh, yet another ch- uh, task. Uh, you know, I tell people a lot that, you know, we we, we start out, if, if you've got a, a person who has the desire, like I was 25 years ago, maybe 30 years ago now, the desire to learn how to raise food in this way, in this 
sustainable, uh, what I consider to be beautiful food production system. Then you, you, know, you figure out how to do it. And you're standing at the bottom of this hill. In my case, I was almost 40 years old. I've been farming very industrially all my life. Learned how from my father who farmed very industrially all his life in the University of Georgia that taught industrial agriculture. So, you know, I had this desire and, and struggled up this steep learning curve to figure out how to raise in that came in that era grass-fed beef only later had other things uh, successfully and figured it out you know trial and error figured it out when I got to the top of that hill I realized that oh I I, I can't just produce it you know I've got to make it monetizable we got to get it in my case uh, with animals get them slaughtered and cut up to market. So I climbed another very steep learning curve. And when I got to the top of that, I said, well, this, this is, this is good. You know, I, I, I now know, but to, to get, to actually get the money out of them, to get it monetized is another thing. And in my, and, and I was very fortunate in that era that, you know, the whole foods market opportunity presented itself. So we were able to do that for a long time, and it, it got us where we need to be. When that went away, I had to figure it out again. So it's it's uh, it's it's not just a uh, one of the problems is it's not just a clean lane to get where you need to be. You know, it's 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 fraught with uh, ch- changing the landscape. And you must have must be approached constantly by people that want to sell your ecosystem services. Let's, let's call them in the big basket. Um, have you done so? Have you like on the soil carbon piece and other pieces, because um, that should in theory, at least make that price more, um, more fair as you being compensated for, for ecosystem services or for the non-externalities you created, the non-waste. Um, have you done so? And if not, why not? No, I have not done so. And it is, uh, it's exciting <laughs> and scary. Uh, I, you know, so far, I think there's a lot more money in how to measure carbon than how to sequester carbon. And I fear it's going to remain that way. Uh, you know, there's, uh, it seems to be constant endless battles between technical groups on how to measure the carbon. And, you know, we certainly, you've got to measure it. There's got to be some, if, if we're going to monetize it, there's got to be measured. But it's not about just measuring. It's about bringing the carbon down. You know, taking it out of the atmosphere where it's, there's too much of it that's doing harm, getting the soil where it needs to be organic matter to, to support microbial life and hold moisture, et cetera, things carbon is supposed to do. So, uh, you know, there's uh, uh, more money in measuring carbon than there is in building carbon. And, and I don't know if that'll get changed or not. I hope so, but I'm not sure it will. Yeah, I'm not sure that uh, some of this confusion may not be intentional and, uh, you know, somebody like uh, Mr. Bill Gates or one of the other technocrats will 
create a device that sucks carbon out of the air and puts it in a little block and buries it, you know, in the sea or whatever. And, and that's not what's supposed to happen. You know, we don't just need the carbon out of the atmosphere. We need the carbon in the soil where it can work. But, you know, that may be too inconvenient. And are you, like, do you see carbon as the, the um, so, so many other questions, but do you see carbon as the best, let's say, candidate for getting more money on the farm, basically? Um, or is, is there's discussion of water, of course, you, you mentioned runoff already, um, biodiversity, which seems exciting, but even less developed. Um, do you see carbon as, as the, the best candidate at the moment or, or maybe something we're completely missing? Well, I mean, you can't, you can't say this, this one is best. So, you know, there, there are the cycles of nature. And the cycles yeah, I mean, the one that, that you see most likely that brings some real cash to, to the door, or none of them, honestly, are, are, are moving at all. Well, so certainly carbon is more discussed than anything else. So I guess it's the most likely candidate. But, you know, the cycles of nature are, you know, the, the, the carbon cycle we're talking about now, the water cycle, the mineral cycle, the energy cycle, the microbial cycle, probably other cycles that we don't, that, that are, are, are not so near, nearly as much discussed. And all of those cycles need to be working together to generate this abundance. That's what nature's all about. And we've broken that up. Reductive uh, farming is reductive land management, broken those things apart so that now we produce probably more per acre than we should, but all the carbon goes up. So, and, 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 and on and on. You know. And in the area around you, you mentioned you're by far the biggest employer uh, in the county. And have others followed suit, or are you still "quote unquote" considered the, the crazy one that went off of the normal script? Like, how, how have your neighbors reacted over the years, and are they they following? Are they maybe are, are you processing also with them for them, or how's the relationship with the with the community? No, we have not. Sadly, we have not changed agriculture in Southwest Georgia. I, you know, it was my hope along the way that we would have more impact along those lines than we've had. Uh, and, you know, my, my friends and neighbors and relatives who farm are good people. They're, they're good people. But they're not financially rewarded for making ecological improvements. And the system is geared uh geared for and controlled by big pharma, big food, big agriculture. And, and so they, they, there's, there's just no uh, easy way to farm in the way we do now. Had we not started when we did, we wouldn't have been able to. I could not start today and accomplish what we accomplished. It, uh, it happened, uh, our growth and, uh, and the, the money that we made, we made before uh, big food uh, uh, adopted or changed to, to to fill the void. And and so you're saying now it's more difficult to for a, a young Will Harris to to make this transition, or it's even impossible. Far, far more difficult. Far far more, maybe impossible. Far more difficult. And none of that. I mean, you 
the quanta study was with General Mills. Like, have, have any of the big food companies have done anything serious with you in a sense, like, have worked with you at all, or has it been um, none of that basically? And they're in their own, I was going to say, little world, but big world. No, uh, uh, in the cases of uh, General Mills, they buy. I don't know how much it is, maybe $80,000 worth of beef a month, something like that, which is nice. I, I couldn't make it on that. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it would, you would take uh, 10 General Mills or 12 General Mills for, for me to make it on. And it's a very small percentage of what they buy. But they do uh, give me a certain amount of support. And we're grateful for it. But I couldn't make it on it. I can't, I can't make it without consumers buying their own food direct from me. And if you had a magic wand and could change one thing in the food and egg space overnight, what would it be? Do you want to learn how to invest or are you an entrepreneur and want to build companies in the regenerative food and agriculture space? Or do you work in big ag and big food and want to really move the needle? We have developed a new video course for you. Find out more on investinginregenerativeagriculture.com slash course or in the show notes description below. Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> it would be for consumers to choose, not have to, but choose to uh, view their food consumption and is to to their to their way of managing the land you know they, they would say you know i want uh, the land managed in this model so i will buy my grass-fed beef or tomatoes or rice from this producer that's moving the needle in that direction and i think we're a long way from that i think we're so far from that because of pricing because of untransparency what what's the bottleneck there well i guess the answer is yes because of of pricing because of uh greenwashing because of uh you know this is the difficulty you know and there's we're not producing much food you know we we're probably one of the the largest grass-fed meat meat producers in the in the country and we produce twenty something million dollars worth of product a year. You know that's you know I, I can't feed one medium sized city, and we're one of the biggest ones. So you know it's just not enough of us. And the difficulty in becoming one of us is harder and harder. And is there a role? I mean, you're mentioning it's difficult to to finance like the debt side of things like are the banks you're working with are they even interested in what you're doing or are you like a normal a weird farmer to them not a normal one of course but a, definitely a different one like how, how is that relationship with the debt side of things you said we own 100 of the equity so there obviously there are no other people on the cap table let's say but on the debt side is it tricky because you're different or or for other reasons yeah, I mean, my bankers are good people. They're good friends of mine, but they're not really interested in what I do. They're interested in getting paid back. You know, they uh, they are in the business of lending somebody else's money to me and others like me. And if the amount of interest they can get from me 
merit the risk of doing business with me, then they'll do business with me. You know, if, I, if I didn't have equity in land, I, I, I couldn't operate, you know, simply stated. And so what happened with the, the solar piece? I think it's relatively recent. What made you um, move into that space? And, and just for people to, to understand, how does it look like? What's, what, what are you doing with solar? I mean, you're doing a lot with solar energy, but mostly through grasses and plants. And what, what else are you doing with solar? So we, uh, the, the solar voltaic is what we're talking about here. So the solar voltaic is new to us, about three years old. <clears throat> we, uh, land is cheap here compared to most areas of the country. So we're attracting a lot of large industrial solar voltaic systems. And uh, one <clears throat> friend of mine sold his farm, large chunk of land to a solar voltaic company. And then we, we knew they were going to put build a solar uh, infrastructure on it. So we approached them about controlling the vegetation using our sheep instead of what I've seen so much other done with lawnmowers and herbicide just sprays and uh, uh, kind of lost her, but really caught traction, really uh, got very senior, in fact, the CEO down and, and he liked what we said we were going to do. And we've, uh, we're now on three different arrays in this area and going to do another one. Uh, it's just, it just really turned out very well for us and the solar company. I think they're very proud of <clears throat> the uh, way we're managing their vegetation. They use it a lot in their, in their promotion and advertisement. And we're very proud of what we're doing for the land. The land's getting better and better. And, and with the idea of when the solar, I don't know, if it has a 20-year time or something to grow more food there or like it's actually ideal under the this, this shade let's say of the panels to 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 grow grass like they're sort of mini trees or big trees basically is it almost a, a silver pasture system yes very 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 much like a silver pasture system uh i've been increasingly i thought that when we went into it and i'm increasingly be, be, believe that i'm not saying that it's better than a natural silver pasture system i'm not saying that i'm saying that it's available to me and it's better than uh, uh, spraying with herbicides, which is what they were doing previously. Uh, it's it's less than perfect, but the the sum of the food we're producing and the energy they're producing is pretty damn good. So uh, you know, I think it's I think it's uh, you know uh, not as ecologically pleasing as a beautiful silver pasture system, but a heck of a lot better than the peanut, cotton, corn that was producing before they put the system in. Now, this was not, they didn't clear up a beautiful uh, silver pasture system. They, they uh, took uh, degraded land that's been in industrial, agricultural, peanut, cotton, corn production all my life. I'm 69 years old and it's been it's been in that industrial farming system, damaging system all my life. So this is a good healing healing period for the land. I think it's I think it's healing. I do. In fact, and we're doing tests on it. 
So we uh, we were beneficiaries of a grant from the Department of Energy that we're just getting into 1.7 million, I think, dollar grant that uh, Silicon Ranch is actually the beneficiary of uh, participating in it. And uh, we hope that we're going to show the ecological benefit uh, through, through that grant of what we're doing there. And like for the company, the solar company, is it, I'm not saying cheaper, but better to, to I'm, I'm imagining they're paying you a fee for, uh, or I hope at least, fee for, for grazing and like your surface of um, keeping the grass and the vegetation uh, or the clovers, et cetera at bay compared to to spraying and, and long mowing? Like how, how does those costs compare? Is it similar? Is it actually way cheaper or what, what should I imagine? And is there, and thus, is there a barrier for others to do the same? No, I think that, I don't think we're saving them any money. I think that we're probably not costing them any money. I think they're paying me about what they would normally pay to have a, a chemical, mechanical, uh, Killing machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, vegetation management done. Uh, when we and by the way, we do some mowing. You know, we're in, uh, when the, in, during this transitional period, we still got a lot of big weeds coming that we have to mow, mm -hmm. but we mow less than they do in a, a system that's purely dependent upon mowing. And I think it'll be less and less and less as time goes on. Uh, remains to be seen. You know, this is very much an experiment. We're in the third year on the uh, earliest that we've adapted and in the third month on the most recent that we've adopted. So it's, it's a, work, a work in progress. Yeah, but fascinating to see yeah, the context of it's not perfect. We would love to see more panels on roofs, etc. But at the same time, giving the context of what the field was and what a normal and, and these big fields are popping up with solar panels, um, that the normal approach is way worse. So we were going for a non-perfect way, but a way better than, than what was before and what would have been otherwise. So, you know, I am positive. I know enough about this. I am positive beyond a shadow of a doubt that what we're doing is going to be very beneficial to the land as compared to what the solar company has been doing previously, which is very intensive uh, chemical use and very... Uh, intensive mechanical mowing and it's better than what the land was prior to the solar company buying it which is corn cotton peanut production on a rotational basis monocultural on a rotational basis it's going to be better now will it be as good as a virgin uh no no but it'll be so much better than either one of the alternatives and as a final question, which almost never is the final question, but um, definitely inspired by John Kemp, who asks us often in his podcast on where, what do you believe to be true about, uh, he says normal agriculture, but in this case, I would like to ask it about regenerative. So what do you believe to be true about regenerative agriculture that others don't believe to be true? So where are you in our little bubble of regenerative farmers, et cetera? Where are you different? Where do you think different? Well, I'm, I, I know it's what we should be doing. You know, I'm, I'm one of the uh, I'm one of the guys who's been doing it longer than just about anybody else. You know, they're the, the ones who've been doing it my as long as I have are dying right and left. So I'm becoming increasingly senior these days, and it's not my goal. It's just what's happening. 
but we're not doing enough of it. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, it's so hard economically that we're not, we're just not doing enough of it. You know, we're, we're going in the right direction, but there's too few of us and it just needs more. And it seems like changing the, the economic um, rules of the game would be taking away a huge barrier for that. Like it wouldn't change what you're doing practically on the ground, in the ground, et cetera, just make it much more economically attractive to do it. Well, that, that, that's what needs to happen. And it's not very seemly coming from me who would be a beneficiary of that. But the fact is we are uh, one of the very few people, practitioners who have been able to afford to do it. A lot of people that, was, that started doing this with me 20 plus years ago, aren't doing it anymore. You know, they fell along the wayside. And we and we and we could too. Mm-hmm. One uh, bad year. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. One one bad year or one unfortunate whatever. Uh, and it's yeah. it's fra- well, very yeah. fragile. Yeah. Well we are uh, you know we uh, not even a bad year. You know, the evolution of the business. You know, we were making our living uh, selling product to Whole Foods market. And that that opportunity went away. They were still buying from it, but it wasn't profitable anymore. Mm-hmm. So we were uh, lucky enough to step out of that lane, hopefully in time, that we'll be able to, to be okay. I think we will be okay. Uh, others have not, you know, and they've fallen by the wayside. And it's, it's uh, sad to see, but it happens. And excuse me, it's it's not just sad for the the individual farm farmer that that uh, that, that loses out financially. It's, for, it's 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 sad for the for the whole planet, you know, for, for everybody that that eats and and sleeps here. Yeah, we need those pioneers that, despite the current economic system, have somehow made it work, and and but at the same time focus on changing the rules because that seems to be the massive limitation currently like you're not polluting you're not producing all these other externalities and you're not being benefited for it or the rest is not paying for their externalities i mean there's there's two sides of that coin um which i mean feels feels like the main message here well i think if i think if more people understood the truth then it'd be more and more people finding ways to afford to eat the kind of stuff that 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 we produce allowing more and more people to be in it i don't think it, i don't think there'll be a well, we can't have a big change overnight you know in which everybody starts to eat food the way the way i produce it a they can't afford it and b i can't produce enough i, I say i the people like yeah. us but I think it could happen gradually over time, and I think it is happening. Uh, but I'm not sure that it's it's quick enough to do to provide what we need for it, to, to the benefit that we need. And do you see the the latest research into the, the the nutrient density side of things, so the health benefits or the health, let's say, the quality, the, literally the quality of the food you produce compared to, and that's why you're so annoyed, of course, as well when you're thrown into the same basket as, as industrial CAFO producers, but do you see 
it feels very early, but it feels very promising as well. Like suddenly there's research coming out showing a lot of differences in the way you manage land, obviously, and animals also ended up in the way or the, the quality of the food. Is that, are you excited, interested, skeptic about that, helping to unlock more consumer demand? <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited and interested, skeptic. I'm, 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 <laughs> uh, I'm excited and interested in that I think if people, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a nutritionist. But you know, I truly believe that there's a nutritional difference in a carrot raised the way we raise it in our garden and one that's raised industrially. I ride by these fields and see these huge, huge monocultures of carrots being produced and harvested with enormous equipment and sp uh, sprayed, it seems like daily, with something and uh, fed through the water, through the irrigation. I think there's a lot of difference in the carrots. You know, that's not that's not my area of expertise, but it just makes sense to me. There's a lot of difference in those carrots. You know, if, if they start measuring for one or two nutrients in the carrot, do I think that the uh, uh, people fertilizing them can come up with some stuff to put in there to make it show up? Yeah. I mean, I got a lot of confidence in those people's ability to make it look like they want it. If, if, if the marketing people tell them they won't see more iron in there, they'll get more iron in there. Uh, there's just more to it than that. There's how the, there's the, 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 the way we consumers fit into the natural production system. And until that's met, then I don't know if we're really making much improvement or not. Maybe. Right. Maybe even the word consumer shows the relationship we have, like we're there simply to consume, not to be part of that cycle at all. Good point. That's, that's a very good point. And until that changes, yeah. We, I see interesting examples of that, and, and but it's very early on, yet it's probably crazy to think that the same value chain, and it's literally a chain, it's, it's not a web. Um, that created this, this mass is and, and created a lot of abundance in terms of calories, but it's gonna also serve the part of the solution, which is gonna absorb it from people like you and, and then somehow get it on our plate in, in a flavorful quality and, and also regenerative way. Like that's, it's gonna require a lot more than that that you found out obviously over the last 25, 30 years that you probably have to build quite a bit of yourself to, to be able to keep control and to make sure some of that margin and hopefully more and more is coming back to the farm. Well, a chain, not a web, is probably the most profound thing that's been said here today. You know, that's, that, that's what we, we have a chain and we need a web. Started out a web, it became a chain. It'll, it'll become a web again. I just don't know how much damage is going to be done in the process. Yeah, I have to, I think it was Ethan Solovyev one of the earliest podcasts we did a long time ago that mentioned that or, or somebody of Genesis. But anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a profound shift. I, I want to end it there. I think it's a perfect end to, to this conversation. I want to thank you, Will, so much to take some time out of your busy schedule. Um, on, on a, I think even, a, I don't know if it's still a public holiday, but anyway, here, here it is. You had a very busy weekend, it sounded like, with a lot of food and a lot of people. So thank you so much for the work you do. Thank you for hanging in there. Um, let's hope the economic rules or the rules of the game start shifting 
and and uh, help people like you that despite of all the odds against the odds and uh, made it this far well i hope uh, hope enough people do Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. For the show notes and links we discussed in this episode, check out our website, investinginregenerativeagriculture.com forward slash posts. If you like this episode, why not share it with a friend or give us a rating on Apple Podcasts? That really helps. Thanks again and see you next time.